Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Thank you everyone for joining us for our next rendition of What's Cooking with Callan. Today I'm joined with by Brightloom CEO Adam Brotman. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. You know, Adam, we, we've seen delivery and online ordering democratized for the broader restaurant industry. Brightloom is looking to do the same with data analytics. Can you give us the quick 60 second elevator pitch on what is Brightloom and what is the solution that you're bringing to the restaurant industry? Yeah, the, you know, the really quick uh, elevator pitch is all of these restaurant brands, but actually any consumer brand these days has a ton of first party customer data because they've got a ton of digitized relationships. You know, it was always growing, but when the pandemic hit, especially uh, the, the percentage of the customer base that brands have a relationship with digitally of the customers is material. And they have all this data and there's a lot of different platforms out there that help brands create their own segments, their own marketing segments and personalization capabilities using data. But it's a lot of work for the brands. And you know, when we were at, when I was at Starbucks and at J. Crew and other places, I just felt like there had to be a better way, an easier way to, you know, simply get the data, uh, run the run the data through um, sophisticated models, but it make it super easy and effective for the brands to um, run campaigns without having to do a lot of work. So that, so I just, you know, with all that data out there you know, I just felt like that's the next big breakthrough. That's the next frontier for restaurant brands. You know, it was mobile ordering, mobile engagement, loyalty. Those have become, as you pointed out, you know, fairly not commoditized, but you know, if you, if you want those things, you can do those things. But if you want to use your data in an effective, always on way to market to your customers, that's still not easy, despite all these other vendors that are out there. And so Brightloom is all about creating a software platform that makes it really easy for brands to simply upload their data. And, and we, we provide uh, automated uh, tools for campaign management. That's great. Adam, I'd like to reflect a little, look, look backwards, learn a little more about how you got into the role and how that really shapes you as, as the CEO of this company. So a lot of listeners in the call likely remember you from your time at Starbucks as you were on quarterly earnings calls and attended investor events. Can we talk about how you got your start there and, and your impressive accomplishments as Starbucks' chief digital officer? I mean, honestly, the that's nice of you to say that, but it, the journey at Starbucks was was fairly organic because the platform, the brand was already in place to, it was almost ripe for digital engagement, digital transformation. You know, the biggest thing that I, I was given an opportunity to build a team and build a strategy around you know, what, what would be the, the best thing for the customer? So we, it wasn't really a particular roadmap. It was just like, what, what should we do? And my timing was lucky. Uh, you know, I, I came to Starbucks at the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, Howard Schultz had just come back. The iPhone was maybe, uh, you know, almost less than two years old. And I just, I got lucky that I, 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 I fell in love with the power of the app store and the power of mobile and the cloud. And so and I was watching customers at Starbucks as, you know, as the head of digital for Starbucks, I was watching customers and how, how they were engaging with the brand and how they wanted to engage with the brand. And a lot of it centered around mobile and loyalty. Everything at Starbucks is about personalization. So that was a natural. So it, essentially we just started, you know, doing, building digital products and features that we thought the customer would love 
uh, centered on mobile. And, and we started realizing that we had something and we, you know, we, we started adding and connecting features to one another. You know, we started with the mobile app that was connected to mobile payment. We added loyalty, we added ordering, we added personalized marketing, but these were all just us paying attention to what we thought would, would be the best thing for the customer. And it turned out that the customer loved it. And the more the customer engaged in it, the more usage we got and the more, the more we were able to sort of get value for the business and the customer out of the platform. So we called it a flywheel effect. And, and that's basically what we did. So it took about, you know, I got there in 2000, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of 2009 and by 2000, the end of 2013, we had 9 million customers using the app by 2000, 15, we had over 40% of all of our sales running through the app, essentially. So it, you know, it just became a huge thing. And then, you know, I left the company um, in 2018 and went to J. Crew. And but by that time, you know, I think we were, you know, approaching 50% of all the business being through the app. And then, of course, during the pandemic, I watched with a lot of pride that that platform was really important to Starbucks, obviously, after I left and still is. Yeah, Adam, no, certainly an impressive legacy that you left with the company. You, you had a stint at J. Crew, but then came back to the restaurant industry in April 2019 when Brightloom well, was Eats at the time. Can you talk about what the platform was when you took the CEO job? Yeah, the, when I took the CEO job at Eats at the time, I was actually encouraged to, to look at the opportunity by both the, the sponsor investors of Eats as well as Starbucks. And I'll explain. The, the platform at Eats had become, it was a, Itza was a really revolutionary pioneer in fast casual on, in its own right as a restaurant company. But by the time I came to the company a little over a year ago, the company was no longer a restaurant company. It was, it had sort of made the decision that it wanted to be a technology company, it wanted to be a software company. And it had built its own software for its own restaurants, but was looking to find ways to help restaurants in particular with their technology needs. And, and that's where Starbucks came into the picture because Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Starbucks, and John Shulkin, the chairman of Itza, they were connected already and had started a relationship because Starbucks and Valor, which is John Shulkin's firm, created a, uh, a really cool venture fund called Valor Siren Ventures. And, and as, they, as they started talking they realized they both shared a common vision and it was a common with my vision too, which was, and I was, you know, still at J crew or, you know, thinking about coming back to Seattle, but the idea was, Hey, we can like, is there a way to take the kinds of things that Starbucks was doing for itself on the digital flywheel and productize some of them and offer them to other retail and restaurant brands. And that was sort of the, you know, Kevin Johnson had that vision and Starbucks had that vision for a long time. It's a, was just a great platform because it was ready for a pivot and it had some interesting technology. Starbucks, of course, had their interesting technology. And I was kind of coming off of a combination of roles at Starbucks and J. Crew, where I just loved the idea of, you know, how can we make it eat? I loved the idea of disrupting and digital transformation. And so it was a great fit for me. And when I came in though, it was, it was kind of a blank slate, meaning we knew what the Starbucks technology was. We knew what the Starbucks methodology was. Eatsa had done some really cool things around ordering, but we, we were able to sort of sit down and say, okay, if we could take any part of the Starbucks flywheel, cause that was our opportunity and productized it, you know, what, what should we do? And we, we talked about all the parts of the Starbucks flywheel at first, but we zeroed in on personalization and using, using customer data to drive personalized messages and offers to make, you know, to, to help brands pull off the kinds of things that up until we've come along are almost impossible to do unless you, you know, 
have teams of data scientists or pay big consulting firms. And our idea was let's create a simple software as a service solution that lets anybody do the kind of personalization engine that a Starbucks has. Yeah, Adam, I want to talk about kind of why, because obviously you mentioned you, you kind of had a, a holistic opportunity with digital and data analytics, and you really streamlined the business really down to data analytics. Was yeah. that just your skill set, you know, where, where you came from, kind of, you know, what you had to offer? Or did you think that was kind of the void in the marketplace that you really thought Brightloom could really help dominate? Yeah, I, w- I wish it was my skill set. You know, I, I, um, I, I, trust me, there's, I'm lucky that I've got great product people and great data scientists and data engineers at both Brightloom, but also at the companies we work for. I, but but I, to answer your question in all seriousness, it, it was actually more a matter of timing. So like I mentioned, I got lucky with the timing of when I came to Starbucks, you know, once in a lifetime to be the chief digital officer at a brand like Starbucks, right after, right as the iPhone and smartphone you know, apps were blooming. And so I, I was able to, you know, just be at the right place at the right time. In this case, the issue is again, timing. And the, and the idea is that there's there, if you want to, I'll, I'll call it like replicate a lot of what Starbucks does, it just in terms of features. I mean, Starbucks does an amazing job of creating a, a really amazing customer experience on their digital platform. That's really hard to still do. But just if you just go through the basic feature list of mobile ordering, internet ordering, loyalty, even a, you know, points-based loyalty, a spend and points-based loyalty program, even mobile payment, like those things were super, we were super advanced and we were pioneers in those areas. And I think up until recently, Starbucks had, for example, more mobile payment transactions in Apple, Apple Pay for you know, I want to say for five, six years. I mean, it was a long, I couldn't believe it. Meaning Starbucks just got a really big lead on that. But now, you know, not only is it no wonder that Apple has surpassed that, but you know, you, if you want to go pay with your phone at any retailer today, you pretty much can. I mean, some of them still don't have their NFC turned on for some reason, but for the most part, if you forget your wallet at home and you want to go pay, you can with Apple Pay or Android Pay or whatever. And so, so basically the, when the pandemic hit, it became even more the case that if you, if you're a restaurant or a retailer and you don't already have internet ordering and you don't have order ahead, frankly, nowadays you don't have curbside and loyalty. I mean, these are things that pretty much every retailer has today if they want it. It's not, it went from five, six years ago being, you know, a, a pioneering thing to today being, you know, somewhat um, a necessity, frankly, and therefore everybody's got it. But, but today, I'm amazed when you look at, and you know this because you, I actually, I, I learned from you, but if you look at, if you look around the restaurant, I'll just take the restaurant industry, you look at what are the top initiatives of Shake Shack, Chipotle, Wingstop, I'll just take those three incredibly successful, incredibly capable companies. I think they all have personalized CRM as their top, if not their top three initiatives digitally. And the fact that they're not doing it yet, now I'm sure they will, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm picking on those brands because they're some of my favorite and they're very capable. If they're not doing it, imagine what's going on in the rest of the industry. It's clearly a need, it's clearly not commoditized, and clearly the tools that are out there today aren't easy enough uh, or powerful enough or both because otherwise everyone would be doing it. So that's where we were like, hey, I think we might be onto something here and our timing might be great again to like, let's find out why 
these great brands and other great brands are not using their data to power an always on personalization engine offering, you know, personalized messages and offer, offers. There's gotta be a reason they're not doing it. Let's get after it, let's solve it, make it easy and, and see if we, you know, I, I hope someday I'm talking to you on a podcast in a couple of years from now and we're talking about how this is commoditized as well, but it's not right now. So we're trying to pioneer something again. No, Adam, that, that's super well said. Adam, what, what kind of restaurant is, is Brightloom's target customer? You know, are these chains, are these independents? Is, are these brands with urban skew versus suburban skew? Is, is there a certain cuisine that seems to fare best with data analytics? Well, you know, we're still, we're still pretty early on, so I don't know which ones, we'll see which ones are going to fare best. But in terms of the ideal customer profile for us right now, we have uh, about 25 brands on the platform today and they are mostly restaurants, although there's some omni-channel retail and direct-to-consumer e-commerce because any any brand that's got accounts with transaction history data and, a, and an opt-in marketing relationship, we're a good fit for. But the what we, we've found is that restaurant chains are our best fit. And I, I'm talking about particularly, you know, sub a billion dollars. I mean, we, trust me, we're trying to sell big chains as well, but you get, you get over a billion dollars in sales and these restaurant brands typically have, you know, they've got a lot of resources, they've got a lot of vendors. They either are or should be sort of doing it themselves. Although we absolutely have a platform that can, can help them. And in fact, many of our pilot customers are over a billion in sales. The, but our sweet spot is sort of the restaurant chain that is, you know, 10 locations up to 800 locations. That sounds like a big range, but if you think about it, it's, it's not because anyone who studies restaurant industry knows, you know, it's, we're not going after right now, the mom and pop, although we have a great product. I'll explain in a second that can help them. I'll call it the, the single, you know, one, two, three location chain. Our, our sweet spot is a brand that's got, you know, 50, 60,000 up to a million digitized customers in their database. Uh, they've got transaction history on them. They're, they've got the ability to market to them through email and maybe even push notification on, on, a, on an app. And yet the labor of going through and trying to like create segments and create triggers and create rules for them is it just, it's, it's uh, too much brain damage. And so we we're coming after we're coming after that segment of restaurants right now is sort of our sweet spot. I had a philosophical question for you. How, how can personalization and loyalty programs avoid being another avenue for discounting? What do you view as the key to driving incremental visits and ticket add-ons? Because I really don't think a lot of restaurants have cracked the code on this. Yeah, it's a great question. You can imagine when I was at J. Crew, it was sort of you're asking restaurant in the restaurant context, but in the retail context, it's even more important. Where discounting has become kind of a primary way of promoting the the. But but sure. let's just go to restaurants for a second because it's a great question. There's there are a couple ways that you can avoid just straight discount. So you can imagine at Starbucks, that's something we just generally never did, almost never did, maybe Frappuccino happy hour or something, but we, we almost never just did straight discounts. And it's not great for the brand a lot of times, and it can become kind of a race to the bottom. So when you've got a personalization engine like Brightloom can provide, what you can do is you can use the power of relevance and you can use the power of, I'll call it, you know, right sizing the discount. So you, for example, you, you don't have to do offers on a personalization engine. In fact, one of the things that differentiates Brightloom is that we have a product recommendation model, a data science driven model, very unique in our space. And again, normally you'd have to hire data scientists, data engineers, but because of our platform, 
you, we, we look at your transaction history, we can predict what your customers are most likely to want to buy or find relevant in terms of your menu. And then you can just have a personalization engine that doesn't even have offers if you want. And we've actually seen some early good results of just recommending products and seeing better email engagement and, and, and good results. But the, when you combine it with a, an offer that doesn't have to be a discount, it could be a get a free salad with your pizza, get a free soda with your hamburger, get a, um, you know, you can do certain things and you can right size the, the offers as well to make sure that you're not just giving everybody a big promotion or a discount that doesn't need it and making sure that you're saving those for your lapsed or at-risk customers. So if, when you can right-size the discount and you can decide the kind of discount you want and you can add on product recommendations, you can really minimize, if not eliminate, sort of the brand-damaging and, and P&L-damaging discounting that a lot of people do. That's well said. Restaurant operators are known for their entrepreneurial muscle and resourcefulness, but I don't know if I put tech-savvy at the top of the list. So while Brightloom is very intuitive and user-friendly, what kind of support do you provide to assist customers? And, and I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is how scalable is the technology based on how many account managers or, or customer so service employees you need to keep hiring to work for the platform? Well, you know, that's, that's the, the big question because that is ultimately, it, that's the problem we're trying to solve. You know, how do we automate a lot of the stuff that is normally manual? So to answer your question, we assist on both the data coming onto our platform. And the way that we do that is through integrating with whatever system the data is in. So they don't have to, the, you know, it's really important that it's one of the mantras at Brightloom is it cannot be a tech project for our customers. That was one of the biggest things we wanted to solve. It's like, it's data, it's difficult, it's technology. How do we make this easy? So what we do is we have we have um, essentially data onboarding specialists that make sure that we understand what platform their data is in and we integrate with the, the data system uh, or make it really easy for them to get it to us. So we do have, uh, we do provide help there. And we also provide help in analyzing the results of the campaigns in configuring the campaigns so that the, uh, the models will run just the right types of segments. And then also we provide help in executing the campaigns. And, and to your point, we have had to develop a set of both algorithms as well as just software that allows this to be as automated as possible because we can't, you know, we need, we need every single account manager, if you will, on our side to be able to handle dozens and dozens and dozens of accounts and maybe even dozens of new ones every month. So we have to automate as much of this as possible. And that's, that's sort of the Brightloom secret sauce is not just giving brands tools to create segments, but giving brands actionable intelligence that's based off of AI and having it be automated so that essentially it's an, almost like you have an army of data engineers, data scientists, and analysts working for you. But if you, the beauty of AI and these models and these platforms that if you can automate it, then we can scale as a business and we can give really quick, effective uh, results uh, to our customers. That's really interesting. The last question I have for you is that it's public knowledge and publicly disclosed that Starbucks has an equity stake in your business as well as a board seat. In exchange, Brightloom manages the digital and loyalty components of Starbucks's licensed international businesses. And I'm curious how this influences Brightloom's culture. You know, should we think of it that, that the digital and loyalty prowess of Starbucks gives you a testing ground where you can tinker with new initiatives? Or perhaps, you know, inversely, that Starbucks is a front row seat to digital advancements in the industry that could potentially work for them? Or, or maybe it's even some combination of both. 
Yeah, it's definitely a combination of both. You know, we were really lucky to have, uh, you know, Starbucks as a sponsor, if you will. Um, not just because I, I'm familiar with the company and, and came from there, but they, you know, they, they are a sophisticated customer, right? And they, they know what they're doing. So when, you know, if, if we're able to be successful with their international operators uh, in providing them some of the same personalization capabilities that they have in the company owned business, then that's a high bar. And, you know, that, that is something that helps us um, know that, you know, we, we have a capability set that that's proven out. And for Starbucks, um, it, you know, if, remember a big part of what we're trying to accomplish for other brands besides Starbucks is making it not a tech project, making it easy, making it make, you know, make sure that the speed and ROI is there. And again, that's important for Starbucks international markets as well. If you're, if you're Starbucks, you know, you might, you know, when you've got a, a company base in us or China or uh, I'm sorry, a store base, I meant to say in us or China, um, uh, then, or Japan, for example, that's a lot of company operated stores to leverage. But when you're, when you're a international operator, you may not have that kind of revenue base that, you know, to, to leverage. So in a lot of ways, you know, if, you know, solving this for uh, Starbucks international operators is kind of the same as solving it for, you know, a U.S. I'll call it, you know, several hundred location uh, chain, meaning you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're, you're worth it. You gotta make sure you're fast. You gotta make sure that you're, you know, you're solving issues because these operators don't all have the same capability set as the company owned markets that Starbucks has. So it's kind of a great fit for both sides in that way. Yeah, that's great. Adam, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really insightful uh, perspectives on the industry and I wish you continued luck on the journey. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.